We are going to read two passages from Scripture. First of all, from Exodus, chapter 2, and then after that from Hebrews, chapter 11. So we begin in Exodus, chapter 2. So as you know, background for this is that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had uh, commanded that all the, the baby boys from the people of Israel should be cast into the river and only the baby girls were allowed to live. You find that in chapter 1, the last verse, verse 22. So a very dangerous situation. Let's read Exodus 2. Verse 1 and following. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was, beautiful, he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. That's where we end. Now let's turn to Hebrews 11, 
Hebrews 11, verse 23 to 27. We start at verse 23, our text begins at verse 24 and ends at 26. Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, here begins our text, by faith, Moses when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures, treasures in Egypt, for he looked for the reward. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We'll stop here. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the letter to the Hebrews is a letter that calls the readers to stand firm in faith. Apparently, the people who received this letter first, their faith was challenged. They were persecuted. A hard time living among the Jews and the Gentiles. And they were tempted to start thinking, why do we do this? Why, why do we believe in Jesus Christ when we have such a difficult life? This whole letter is one very strong appeal to not give up on the faith, to stand firm in the faith, to keep going. And in that context, there are all these examples about believers who lived in the past who also had to keep going, persevere in faith, even though they did not receive everything that was promised to them. We live by faith. We already experience a lot of the blessings that the Lord has promised, but there are also things that we don't see yet with our eyes, but we believe that we will see them in the future. So one thing that is helpful, according to this letter, as a Christian and as a believer, is to remember the example of believers who have lived in the past. For example, chapter 13, verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith you follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So if we consider the life of some of those brothers and sisters who lived in the past, and how they persevered in their faith, it can actually help us to follow that example and also persevere in our faith today. In chapter 11, we have various examples. Abraham is there, Noah before him, Jacob is an example, 
Joseph, and then Moses. This afternoon, we are going to focus on what it says about Moses. We are asked to consider the faith of Moses. And Moses had a very unique uh, life history, as you know. And we are, we are invited to consider what happened to Moses and to take encouragement from that in our uh, faith life. And I don't have three points, but in a way I do. Um, maybe it will help if we focus on the three words in the text that begin with an R. So first of all, we are going to focus on the word refused. The R of refused. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And secondly, the second R is reproach. He esteemed the reproach of Christ um, higher than the treasures of Egypt. And the third R is reward. He was looking to a reward. So refusal, reproach, reward. Maybe that can help to uh, remember the parts of the sermon and the message. So first of all, it starts in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, so when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So Moses, unique personal history. You know that. Born at a time that the people of Israel were being oppressed in Egypt. Treated like slaves. A new law, as I mentioned, had come into effect. Baby boys, throw them into the Nile. Girls, okay, they can live. So Moses was born. Baby boy, his, his father and mother had faith enough, so they kept him hidden. But after three months, they couldn't hide him anymore, so his mother made a unique plan. You know that story. She put him in a basket in the river, and then found by the daughter of Pharaoh, who had made this law, the, the main enemy, the daughter of Pharaoh found him. And the Lord worked in her heart. She felt sorry for the little boy because he was crying. And then you have this amazing turnaround. Instead of the boy being killed because the princess feels sorry for him, now she asks his mother to take care of him, nurse him for me. And when he is old enough, you bring him to me. He will be my son. We don't exactly know how old Moses was when he was old enough to go to the court. But his parents had some years with him, and at a certain point in time, he was taken to Pharaoh's court. Imagine the life of that little boy. Let's say he was six or seven years old or so, then eight, nine, ten, growing up as a prince of Egypt. First he was a little shepherd's son, poor. And now he's a prince at Pharaoh's court. Servants, you know, servant at hand for everything. You'd never have to do the dishes. As a servant for everything. And then he would go to school. He would go to the best school that you could find in the whole ancient world. Um, that's even what the Bible says in Acts chapter 7. We read that uh, Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Now, the Egyptians at that time, they were 
the most advanced people in the world. So their school, their university was the top school in the world. And Moses went to that school because he was a prince. So he would learn things that most other people wouldn't have the opportunity to learn. He would learn to read, to write. He would learn about the history of the world, math, science, geography, astronomy, the stars, big thing in Egypt, medicine, religion, all those things. So Moses had struck, struck gold, you might say. He had a bright future. One day he would be an important prince. He could marry a beautiful girl, um, enjoy all the privileges of Egyptian royalty. Maybe one day he could become an important ruler in Egypt himself. Again, in Acts 7, it says that Moses was mighty in word and deed already in Egypt. So, he, was, he had a bright future. But Moses was different. His parents had taught him about God, the creator of heaven and earth. And they had told him, Moses, always remember, there is only one true God. And God has chosen us, children of Abraham, descendants of Abraham, to be his special possession among the nations. We have a special calling. And God has promised us that one day we will go back to the land of Canaan. That's going to be our land. And then we will go there, and that's where we will live under God's blessing, and we will serve him there. Always remember, Moses, also when you're at the court of, of, of Pharaoh, you're different. You have been circumcised. You have received the sign of the covenant. God will never forget you. You never forget the Lord. Always obey the Lord, then you will experience his blessing. That's what parents tell their children, right? We still do that today. Moses' parents would have told him the same. Now imagine the life of Moses growing up as a teenager, perhaps, at the Egyptian court. So, as I said, he was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And that wisdom included religious beliefs. So Moses' teachers at the Egyptian school would have taught him that in order to be successful in the world, you need to serve the gods of Egypt. And then they would teach the students the names. They had many gods. Amun, Ra, Osiris, Anubis. The list continues. Moses would have to learn that. And he would have had to participate in religious festivals where the Egyptians brought sacrifices to their gods in order to receive blessings. Now, as you try to imagine the life of Moses as a teenager, that must have been hard, right? Because those two worlds were not compatible. You cannot believe that there is only one God, as his parents had told him, and at the same time believe that there are many gods and you need to serve them all in order to be successful. That must have been difficult for Moses as he grew up to find his true identity. 
And maybe it's, it's like Scripture gives us the impression that it took him some time indeed to figure this out. Our text says, when he was grown up, by faith Moses, when he was born, sorry, verse 24, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So when he was grown up. And in Acts 7, it actually says, Moses, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, children of Israel, when he was 40 years old. So how was Moses when he was in his 20s, his 30s? We don't know for sure. But we almost get the impression that maybe for a while Moses tried to be both, both a Hebrew boy and an Egyptian prince, a child of God and a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Also happens to young men in the church sometimes. Maybe there are some young men here who are trying to do that. You try to be a Christian, but also to be at home in the world. You try to follow Christ, but also live according to what the world is telling you. You can try that for a while, but it doesn't work. Now, God never forgot Moses. And by God's grace, Moses came to a point in his life that he made a very clear choice. That's what our text is saying. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It's a very strong word. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was a choice that he made regarding his identity. He would rather be a son of Israel than a son of Pharaoh's daughter, a child of God than a prince of Egypt. So Moses came to a point that he said, Yes, I did grow up in the household of Pharaoh. I've learned many things here, many good things too. But do not call me a son of Pharaoh's daughter. That is not my identity. My identity is that I am a son of Israel. Now, why is this mentioned? As I said in the beginning, we are told these things to learn something from it. The Word of God reminds us of Moses' life as something that we should consider carefully. And we should consider that Moses made this decision by faith. That's how the text begins. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, because logically speaking, or shall I say that, when you just look at it, it, it was a decision that didn't make any sense. If you are a prince in Egypt, why would you give that all up in order to identify with a lowly bunch of shepherds? I mean, here you have a beautiful life, and there you have a hard life. Why would you say no to this in order to say yes to that? Well, Moses acted in faith. That's what our text emphasizes. 
He believed the promises of God that salvation would come to the people of Israel. He took his circumcision seriously. That's why he said, I've made my choice. Don't call me the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Call me a son of Israel. My true identity is not that I was raised at Pharaoh's court. My true identity is that I was adopted as a child of God. Now, that's a powerful message for us today. We live in a time that identity is a big word. A lot of things are based on identity these days, even in politics. Our prime minister self-identifies as a feminist. Our young people grow up in a world that is telling them to play around with their identity. Think of all the confusion with respect to gender in our society. I'm not sure that we as parents always are aware of this. I don't think I, I was when my children were teenagers. But the world is trying to mess with the thoughts and with the identities of our young people. All the stuff that they read on social media, on their phones, I mean, you have it right there. It can be really confusing for a 13, 14, 15-year-old. At home and in church, you have been taught that God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. In the world, you hear a different message. Oh, gender identity is kind of fluid. It's not, doesn't depend on your body. So you can explore, maybe explore your feminine side, explore your masculine side, try to be a girl for a bit, and then try to be a boy for a bit and see what works for you. Two ways of thinking, two worldviews, not compatible. It's either this one or the other one. This we know for sure. There are going to be a lot of messed up people in the world. Brothers and sisters, our text says that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He made a very clear choice about his identity. He said, I'm not listening to the gods of Egypt or the, 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 the religion of Egypt. I'm following the promises of the God of Israel. Isn't it wonderful that God kept Moses while he was growing up at Pharaoh's court? So unbelievable that this little boy, with all those influences from Egypt, that he still was able to hold on to what his parents had told him when he was, was a kid. Never underestimate what you teach your children, even those who are younger than six years old. It stays with them. So in our time, we also have to make a very clear choice, just like Moses. And not just our young people, but all of us, whether we are young or old. Be clear about who you are. And to put it now in New Testament terms, we are called to find our identity in Jesus Christ. Find your identity in Christ. Reject whatever the world is telling you. Refuse, and to use that word again, refuse to let your identity be formed or influenced 
by the lies that the world is telling you on social media or whatever. And this is not just this is not a game. There is a spiritual battle going on behind the scenes. So follow Moses' example and say, I'm not going to serve the idols of this world. I'm not going to believe the lies of this world. I'm following Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Whatever He tells me, I accept that as the truth and I will live by it. And the Lord will sustain you in that walk of life according to His promise. So that's the first aspect of our text, the identity of Moses. We come to the second aspect, verse 25. Verse 25. It says that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Again, what an amazing choice. Who would do that? Why would someone choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin? What were the odds that Moses would do that? Think for a moment, again, Moses' life. Uh, he was an Egyptian prince. That's how he grew up. He had all, whatever he wanted, he could have it. We see something of that even today when you hear about uh, all those princes in the Middle East, the sheikhs and whatever they have, lots of money available, lots of princes and princesses. And Well, if you are a prince in Saudi Arabia or Egypt or wherever, you have a good life by worldly standards. Lots of money, you can have a fast, fast car or you can have your own plane or Expensive trips, beautiful girls, life of luxury. So Moses could have lived a life of luxury, high-flying friends. He could sleep around as much as he wanted. But again, God was at work in Moses' life. God did not forget him. And Moses by God's grace, came to the firm conviction that true and lasting joy was to be found in living a life that is pleasing to God. It's interesting that our text speaks about pleasures, the pleasures of sin. It's not that sin is always uh, ugly. It's not that sin is not nice. There is some pleasure in sin. There is some pleasure in being beautiful and glamorous and rich and famous. But our text says it is a fleeting pleasure or passing pleasure. There is some pleasure, I guess, in getting drunk or getting high, sleeping around. But then... It's fleeting, and then there is the hangover the next morning. So Moses came to a point that he said no to his Egyptian friends and their lifestyle. 
I'm imagining Moses' friends calling him and saying, Hey, Moses, come on, Friday evening, there is a party going on. Good music, beautiful girls, join us. Moses says, No. Thank you, but no thanks. Now, when you do that, that has consequences. Moses fell out of favor. Instead of living the life of an Egyptian prince, Moses became an outcast in Egypt, and eventually he became a fugitive. He had to flee the country. And later, years later, when he came back with the people of Israel, he was mistreated with the people of God who were slaves in Egypt. Now, the first readers of the book of Hebrews, when they read this, they could very much identify with this. Because the first readers, they were persecuted themselves. We, we read that in chapter 10, verse um, 33. I'll start in verse 32, 10:32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted, and here it comes, look at this, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. So some of these early Christians, they, they lost their possessions because they became Christians. And now they are reminded in our text that this is not something unique. God's people sometimes experience this. Moses experienced it. Christ experienced it. Followers of Christ experience this. Now verse 26, coming back to our text, adds something to this. It says that Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. I'd like you to have a good look at that. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So it says that Moses chose to be on the side of Christ and experienced the same kind of rejection that Christ experienced. And I'm sure someone will ask the question, how is that possible? How could Moses consider the reproach of Christ? Christ had not been born yet. Moses did not know Christ. So how could he consider and accept the reproach of Christ? Well, here we need to remember that back in chapter 3, a comparison has already been made between Moses and Christ. So bear with me for a moment. In chapter 3, we read this. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So Moses uh, and Christ, Moses was a picture of what Christ was going to do. And Christ was the real Savior, the greater one, the true Savior. Moses' life was a prefiguration of the life of Christ. So just like Christ was going to be rejected and suffered on behalf of God's people, 
So Moses also experienced the same thing. Now, why is this mentioned? Because the readers of the Hebrews needed to know that nothing strange was happening to them. Moses and the Israelites experienced rejection from the side of Egypt. The Lord Jesus was rejected by his own people and by the Gentiles. And all those who follow him will experience the same. The word reproach comes back once more in Hebrews, in the last chapter, 13, verse 13. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. So what our text is saying, brothers and sisters, is that to be a follower of Christ in this world may very well cause you to endure rejection, reproach, like Moses, like Christ, like the early Christians, and so for us today. You know this. We are often seen today as bigots, fundamentalists, dangerous people. So let's not be surprised. That's the price we pay for being followers of Christ. And so we come to the second lesson from our text. Consider the faith of, faith of Moses and first find your identity in Christ and secondly, bear the reproach of Christ, the rejection of Christ. But then we need a third point because why would we do this? Why would we want to be rejected by other people as Christians? And now our text gives us the answer there. Let's read again verse 26. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Once again, that choice. Treasures of Egypt or the reward that God has promised. The treasures of Egypt, if you read up on Egyptian history, Egypt was a rich country. Moses had access to all the wealth of Egypt. He was in the elite, in the top class. If he just stayed where he was, he would inherit the wealth of Egypt. He would be a wealthy man because his mother was an Egyptian princess. And if he was clever and smart, and he was smart, he would probably expand his riches and become even richer. But Moses was a man of faith. And what is faith? Faith, chapter 11, verse 1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then all those examples come. Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Joseph. They believed God's promise of a better country, a heavenly one. And they never saw that heavenly country with their eyes during their lifetime, but they believed in it. They believed God's promise. And likewise, Moses, by faith, was able to give up that privileged position in Egypt and he became a leader of this bunch of shepherds, God's people, the Hebrews, taking them out of Egypt, leading them for 40 years through the desert, and they were not easy people. 
on the way to the promised land. How was he able to do that? Our text says he was able to do that by faith and he was looking forward to the reward. Moses believed God's promise that there would be a reward. Moses believed God when he said, I will bring you to the promised land. And in that land you will be blessed. It will be a land flowing with milk and honey. There you will have freedom to serve me and experience my blessing. And Moses believed that there would be a prophet greater than himself. He speaks about it in Deuteronomy 18. And Moses believed that God's promises were not just for this life, but that they are promises for eternity. Deuteronomy 33. There is none like God, O Israel. The eternal God is your dwelling place. And his, his, his everlasting arms are underneath. So you want to know how Moses was able to give up his privileged position in Egypt? That is the reason. He believed God's promises. I should also say because God never let go of Moses. God always remembered Moses. Moses held on to God by faith. And God held on to Moses. And so I believe, brothers and sisters, we can find the message for today. Just like Moses looked to the reward, so we must look to the reward as well. What is our reward? It is a reward that our Lord Jesus Christ has achieved for us. Jesus Christ wants to make you and me share in the inheritance of his Father. And in the New Testament it says that that inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for us. That's the promise. Do you believe that? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into the world, died for our sins, was raised from the grave, ascended to heaven, and he promises to make a share in the inheritance of his Father. We'll see that when? The day that Jesus Christ is revealed. That's the reward. But it's not a full reward. Because it's not that the reward only comes in the future. There is so much that is to be enjoyed already in the present life. The blessings of following Jesus Christ, you don't have to wait for that till one day he comes back. We begin to experience those blessings already in this life. So it begins now, and then there is that reward that comes. That's why we read chapter 13, verse 14. Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Are you still holding on to your faith? Are you still looking forward to the reward? Or have you fallen behind? Which is possible. It happens in, in Christians' lives that, yeah, it's clouded and we forget about that beautiful uh, future that we have. 
Again, that is why this letter is written. It's a strong appeal. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Chapter 12. Lift up your drooping hands. Strengthen your knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Do not throw away your confidence. Chapter 10. Which has a great reward. 10 verse 35. So, I can summarize the message in three parts. I think we now have our three points. Consider the faith of Moses and find your identity in Christ. Accept the rejection of Christ, whatever form it may take. And three, expect the reward of Christ. Amen.